This is the story of Gizmo and the Gremlins. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode seven of Brad's Cactus Shack. This is going to be the most action-packed episode yet because I got this email from someone a while back. I still haven't replied to it. It's been almost a year now since this guy named Mike sent me some old stuff of mine. This is a police report from the year 1993. Yeah, 1993. Uh, Mike sent me an email. He says, I found the original report of your 7-Eleven caper. You've probably seen it, but I thought you might like to have a copy. It's hilarious. And no, Mike, I have not seen this. And even though I've had this sitting in my email for a year, I've only, like, skimmed over it. I haven't really read through all of this yet. Mike says, I can't believe you got off with a slap on the wrist after all the running around those cops had to do to track you down. Wish I could get a hold of the VHS cassette, but it seems to have been destroyed. Take care, Mike. And he sent me a PDF of um, the arrest report. And if you don't know what this is about, like, back in 1993, I think I was 19 years old, and my girlfriend Sylvia was, I don't know, 17 or 18, and I was working night shift at a 7-Eleven in Wood River, Illinois, and she was hanging out there with me all night, or at least until the early morning when the manager was going to get there. Then I don't know what she did after that. Like, how'd she get home? I I have no idea. Neither of us had a car, but we decided to rob the store, basically. We We took everything out of the store. We managed to get the safe open and steal the day's earnings, and I think we made off with like $4,000 in cash, a shitload of money orders, lottery tickets, cigarettes, food, just like random shit from around the store. It was pretty great till we got caught. We were going to change our names and um, I I think we're going to move to Georgia or something. So we called a cab. We took a cab to Glen Carbon. We hung out there and then we took another cab to the St. Louis airport and we got a hotel room with all of our new money to wait for our flights to leave. And guess what? Police came in the door and arrested us big surprise there so i'm not going to post this document anywhere because it's got like a lot of personal info in it and stuff but instead i'm just going to read it so page one of this thing is some sort of a title card it says no one in store slash theft name of complaint 7-eleven store location grant comma marvin gw i don't know what this means there's a lot of crossed out things and i don't see a date on this yet but i think it was april 1st It was basically a really awesome, hilarious April Fool's joke. And I can't believe he's able to get this. I mean, this is so old. They didn't have computers back then. Like, so what, did he pay for them to, like, track this down and make photocopies or something? Or is it just all in the system now? I guess that would make sense if they just put all their past stuff into the computers. Okay, two pages down. There was a couple blank pages there. Uh, complaint advised. These, it's like abbreviations and stuff. Complainer advised he was at the 7-Eleven store and there was no one in the store working. Advised there was also a woman there and she had been there for 10 minutes and no one was there working. I wonder how they called. Like nobody had cell phones back then. Did they just go out on the payphone or something? Or did they use the phone behind the counter? Uh, persons arrested. Bradley K. Carter. Sylvia A. Thompson. Next page is blank. Page after that. Wood River Police Department Incident Report, April 1st, 1993, at 3 in the morning, by wire line call. I guess that's what they call a landline phone call. Uh, Has all of the officers that were involved, William Wheeler, Terry Mason, James Schneider, Richard White. Wow, they sent four officers to the store that night. That's crazy. All right, another blank page. Bradley Carter, suspect, theft over $500, cleared by arrest, held for prosecution. 7-Eleven, victim, theft over $500. It was a lot more than $500. 
Oh, and then it's got names of witnesses. There's like a, a friend that I visited that night. It's got her name in here and it's misspelled. And then it's also got two other witness names. And I guess these are the people that were in the store. Holy shit. I should call these people up right now and, and be like, hey, remember that time you came in the store and I was supposed to be there and I wasn't? Oh, man, that's tempting. I almost want to do that right now. Oh, man, she doesn't have a listed number. Okay, never mind. And, okay, here's the part I don't understand. It says, stolen slash recovered. They recovered currency value worth $1,464. And they recovered um, $80 worth of food stamps. But I know it was more than that. So there's got to be another one of these in here somewhere that's worth more money. Because there's no way it was just 1400 bucks. I'm, like, 100% positive. Like, it, it was at least 3000 but it was closer to 4000 maybe even five. By the way, it looks like this thing is 32 pages long, so I don't know how long this is going to go on. Oh, yeah, here we go. Property loss slash damaged, $3,505. That still doesn't seem right. It seems like it should be more than that. Maybe that's in addition to the uh, $1,400 up above. But this is a handwritten report here. Maybe the cops pocketed a bunch of money for themselves. But I doubt it because I had to pay back everything that was missing. And in the end, it was just like two or 300 bucks. Okay, here's the report. It says, narrative. While on patrol down Wood River Avenue around 1.30 a.m., I observed a young white female, blonde hair, kneeling on some milk crates inside of the Wood River 7-Eleven store, leaning on the counter. I thought the female, later identified as Sylvia Thompson, looked too young to be out after curfew. I turned the squad around and drove through the lot to take a closer look. Sounds like a pervert going around to, like, take a look at the young blonde female. Uh, I observed the store clerk behind the counter, Carter, that's in parentheses, standing. Okay, blank page. Behind the east side counter where the money order machine is located. At a closer look, the female looked like she could be old enough, and the clerk was behind the counter. All seemed normal. At 1.40 a.m., police dispatcher Carter received a phone call from a subject stating he was the clerk at the Wood River 7-Eleven store. He wanted to know why the police were circling the store. See dispatcher Carter's report. I think there's a cop named Carter, because this is kind of getting confused. Oh, yeah, I guess the dispatcher's name was Carter. So I guess at that point, we'd already stolen a bunch of shit, and we were waiting for our cab, and, um, like, you know, this cop was coming by, and I'm like, oh, shit, because I was fucking with the security system while we were doing all this stuff, and I managed to open up the the front, like, locked um, metal cover over the VCR machine so that I could steal the VHS tape, mostly because, um, well, I mean, to get rid of the evidence, but also because I thought it would be cool just to have the tape. You know, just have a souvenir of our crime of the century. So that's why I called the police and said, hey, what the fuck are you guys doing? Because I thought I'd set off some kind of a silent alarm, and I just wanted to make sure everything's okay. You know, totally normal. That's a totally normal thing for a 7-Eleven clerk to do at 1.30 in the morning. At 3.24 a.m., this department received a phone call from a customer at the 7-Eleven store, stating that no clerk was in the store. Upon Officer White's and myself arriving, we checked the entire store for the clerk with negative results. The owner, Charlie something was contacted and came to our location charlie advised a mr carter was supposedly working a double and should be on duty i didn't know i was working a double that day wow that sucks no wonder i wanted to steal everything in there and and like leave the state making me work 16 hours straight they totally deserve this when mr zumwalt that's charlie's last name mr zumwalt checked the two cash registers He found the money missing. A check showed the safe had been emptied of all of its money. Someone had gotten the key from the back office, apparently. Yeah, what a stupid thing to keep it in the back office where the clerk can get it. What the hell, 7-Eleven? Totally deserved this. Mr. Zumwalt also stated he had between $60 to $80 missing in food stamps. All in $1 bill food stamps. 
This is back in the day when food stamps were like a paper money. It looked like Monopoly money. Uh, Mr. Zumwalt found the offenders made off with at least 10 money orders. American Express money orders has the money order numbers. And yeah, I printed up money orders for the maximum amounts. Oh, wait, no, it wasn't the maximum amounts. It was $200, $132, $200, $70, $100, $12. What the hell? Why would I make a 12? That's probably a mistake. $200, $150, $200, $50, $50, 100 totaling $1,464. A rough figure at this time is approximately $1,961.82. Cash missing and $60 to $80 in food stamps. I asked Mr. Zumwalt if his security cameras are operating, and he stated that they were. Officer White went to the station to put out an, uh, a something broadcast. Ispern? I don't know. We also had the police dispatcher trying to call Mr. Carter's residence with negative results. They contacted my parents. They said that I came home on a break, which isn't allowed by the store, you know, because I was getting a few things. At around 4.20 a.m., Mr. Zumwalt and this officer review the store's security tape. It appears someone had removed the correct tape from the machine and replaced it with one from 3.20-1993. The replaced tape is put on play and goes right to 4.1-93. And I did that because I didn't know if the alarm system would, you know, freak out if there was, you know, no tape in the machine recording. So I put a tape in the machine just to make sure that nothing went crazy. I was apparently really paranoid about this high-tech VHS machine that they had in their office. In just a few frames, you can see Mr. Carter getting ready to leave the store. You can also see him carrying a VCR tape in his hand. The replacement tape was seized by this officer as evidence from Mr. Zumwalt at approximately 4.24 a.m. CVCR tape. Mr. Zumwalt also turned over as evidence a receipt from the American Express money order machine showing when 10 missing money orders were printed. The times matched the time this officer drove into the store lot and the time the person reportedly from the store called asking why the police were circling the building. Wow, the handwriting is getting worse and worse as this goes on. While going through the trash cans, a note from supposedly Sylvia Thompson to Brad was found, and this was the same girl kneeling on the milk crates while Mr. Carter or someone printed out the missing money orders. The Wood River Cab Company advised one of their drivers, a James Thomas, had picked up a man and woman fitting the description of Bradley Carter and Sylvia Thompson. See the cab driver's voluntary written statement. He advised Mr. Carter got into his cab at the 7-Eleven store with a brown paper bag. Wow, this is the sketchiest thing ever. He also advised he drove both subjects to the 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 something something um you know, where I said I was on break. And Carter later came out with a gym bag, or no, two gym bags. He drove them to another address. That's where we uh, met up with a friend of mine where Sylvia was staying. And Mrs. Thompson and Mr. Carter went in and came out with another gym bag. They then wanted to be taken to the Cottonwood Mall by Glen Carbon, Illinois. On the way, they were overheard talking about taking a 7.30 a.m. flight out of Lambert Airport and go to Las Vegas and on to Disneyland a week later. I don't know if the Disneyland thing was a real thing, but I do remember in the courtroom when we were both in court for this, like, you know, months later, and I know I mentioned this in the book, that some guy was just droning on and on about all the things we did, and he ended it with, uh, with the intent to go to Disneyland. I just ran away from home, now I'm going to Disneyland. I just crashed my car again, now I'm going to Disneyland. I just robbed a grocery store 
Airport police were notified. The cab driver took the couple to Walmart in Glen Carbon, that's at the Cottonwood Mall, and dropped them off at a payphone at approximately 3.16 a.m. Mr. Zumwalt advised he did not consent to anyone stealing his store's money and removing it from the store. That's good that he had to point that out. On April 1st, 1993, the investigation division were advised of the theft of the money from the Wood River 7-Eleven food store, 632 North Wood River Avenue in Wood River. That store doesn't exist anymore. Last time I checked, it was some sort of a thrift store or something. Suspect was the employee, Bradley K. Carter, and his girlfriend, Sylvia Thompson. See the attached report from Officer Mason. Since the Wood River cab driver took a W slash M and W slash female, white male, white female, to Sylvia's friend's address and then to Glen Carbon, the investigators went to Sylvia's friend's address. The address was a trailer, by the way. That just adds to the whole thing. It's a trailer. This is like a My Name is Earl crime. There's a trailer. There's a brown paper bag. There's gym bags. There's going to Disneyland. At this location, we met with Shauna and someone named Sheila. I don't think I remember Sheila. And like, it's weird. It has like all these birth dates and, and other personal info scribbled out. I guess they did that when they released this thing to uh, Mike, the guy that emailed me. They advised that Thompson, Carter's girlfriend, was staying there, but they did not know where they were now. They advised they saw Thompson last night about 9.30 p.m. at the Wood River 7-Eleven store with Carter, who was working. They thought that Thompson had been staying at the Lewis and Clark Motel. Oh, yeah, we stayed there for a couple days. Investigators checked with the motel. She had not been staying there. Wow, Shauna's a big liar. Uh, Sergeant Schneider checked with the Edwardsville police to find out what cab company takes care of Glen Carbon area. This was the Granite City Checker Cab Company. Sergeant Schneider found out that a male and a female were picked up in Glen Carbon by the Cottonwood Mall. Holy crap, I thought this plan was foolproof. Apparently, they thought of everything. This is where they had been dropped off by the Wood River Cab. The two were, you know what, the Wood River Cab guy, it doesn't say here in the report that we gave him a very nice tip. I think we gave him like 10 or 20 bucks. I wonder if he got to keep that. The two were taken to the St. Anne, Missouri Drury Inn by the St. Louis Airport. The Drury Inn was contacted and the receptionist advised that they had a Brad Carter registered with them. Room 410. The St. Anne Police Department was contacted and they were told of the theft and requested their assistance. The investigators went to the Drury Inn. Am I pronouncing that right? Probably not. At uh, 10.57 a.m. Holy shit, it was that late? What? Why were we still there? No wonder they caught us. Six hours later? Holy shit. I blame Sylvia for all of this. We could have gotten away easily. And that way they would have had the police in Georgia or Texas or wherever stop us once we got off the plane. Uh, on arrival on the fourth floor, we met with St. Anne's Captain John O. something and another plane clothesman. They were advised of the theft. We then went to room 410. We had a maid knock on the door, and a white female, later identified as Thompson, opens the door. Sergeant Schneider announced that they were police. Thompson stepped back from the door to allow us to entry. To allow us entry. A white male was laying on the bed. He was Bradley Carter. Sergeant Schneider advised him that we need to go back to Wood River to talk about the theft. Carter got out of the bed and started dressing. Really, what the hell? It's 11 in the morning? When did our flight leave? I guess we couldn't get an earlier flight. That's crazy. That the, Like, why didn't we just go hang out at the airport? They never would have found us there. <laughs> Officer Wheeler advised Carter of his rights. Officer Wheeler read the Miranda warnings off a card that Officer Wheel Wheeler carries. 
This was at 11.07 a.m. Carter advised that he understood his rights and would talk to us. He was asked where the money was. He advised that the money was in a blue duffel bag that was on the floor. Thompson had been getting dressed in the bathroom and came into the room where we were at. We had seized the money, which also a large amount of $1 food coupons were with the money. Carter was asked if there were any other money. At this time, Thompson said that it was in the dresser drawer, which she showed us. In the drawer was a leather holder similar to a camera holder. It was a camera holder. It was for my camera, which had a large roll of money in it. Sergeant Schneider seized the case and the money. Officer Wheeler. Wow, the handwriting's getting really bad. It's like they're really, they're, they're getting tired of writing and it's just getting worse and worse. Uh, Officer Wheeler immediately advised Thompson of her rights. She advised that she understood but wanted an attorney. They both agreed to return with us to Wood River. Both were transported back to Wood River. On the way back, uh, Sergeant Schneider asked Carter where the, the videotape from the 7-Eleven store was at. Carter advised in one of the bags. And I remember that. That was actually not on the way back. That was in the hotel room. I reached down on the floor and pulled the videotape out of the duffel bag. Why are they saying it was on the way back? That's weird. At the police station, booking information was obtained on Carter and he was lodged. While booking information was being obtained by Sergeant Schneider's officer, Wheeler was going through the duffel bags, four bags that belonged to Carter and Thompson. Officer Wheeler found that the videotape from the 7-Eleven store, numerous unopened packs of Marlboro cigarettes, shaving razors, uh, something mints, candy mints, a keychain with two keys on it, and other items. See the attached list of items recovered. Oh, this is going to be awesome when I get there. Where are we at on this? We're at page 29 of 32. I wonder if that's even on here. Uh, the keychain keys belong to the 7-Eleven store. This was the safe keys. A note was found that describes taking the money and taking a cab to pick up their clothes, spending the night in Alton, then going to the St. Louis airport and go to Texas. See the attached copy. What does it mean, spending the night in Alton? We didn't spend the night in Alton. We got the fuck out of Dodge. I don't understand that part. Okay, later at 2.01 p.m., Carter was taken to the detective building. Officer Wheeler read him his rights again. He then filled out the attached Miranda waiver. He was then questioned about taking the money. After he told about taking the money, a recorded statement was taken where he again was advised of his rights prior of the taped statement. Oh, wow, they had a taped statement. I don't remember that. Oh, probably just audio taped. Uh, The taped statement transcript is attached to this report. He advised that he got the idea of taking the money after someone from Economy Boat had uh, called the store that night about 11.30 p.m. to see if the 7-Eleven store could sell him $1,400 in money orders. He said that was when he wrote the plan out on paper. I wrote the plan out on paper? Why did I need to write it out on paper? Probably to help convince Sylvia that this was a great idea. Uh, After the man from the Economy Boat left with the money orders, he broke into the store's office and got the safe keys, which I didn't know I was going to be able to get, by the way. I didn't know they kept the safe key in the office. I'm just like, holy shit, this looks like the safe key. Uh, He then took the safe money and the register's money. He and Thompson took the candy mints, razors, film, three cartons of Marlboro cigarettes. Thompson smokes. These Carter does not smoke. He then took the videotape with him from the security VCR. He put another tape in to replace the tape that he took. After the statement was taken, he was relodged at 2.42 p.m. Carter and Thompson will be later... Uh, charged with theft over $300. Why is it over $300? Why, what happened to theft over $500? Oh, and, and that's the end. Shit, I, I want the lists of everything we took. That sounds hilarious. 
like that that is seriously the end of the entire document that's it it's over i feel that that was very anticlimactic god damn it where's the lists i want the lists i want the vhs tape i want my recorded audio statement i'm guessing they don't keep stuff like that for 20 whatever years so we'll probably never have that i bet you somebody at 7-eleven like that charlie zumwalt guy i bet you he has the tape still he probably shows it to his friends i mean he's probably dead now but he probably like used to show it to his friends like, hey, look at this crazy shit. These two employees running around the store just stealing everything. Craziest shit I ever saw. So, yeah, that was my arrest report. Thank you, Mike, for thinking to uh, request that from the police department, I guess. You can learn more about that whole thing in the PLA book if you, uh, I don't know, go to phonelosers.org slash book or just search for Phone Losers of America on Amazon. There's a chapter of it in there. There's actually a picture of us on the bed holding up big wads of money for the camera. The camera that was supposed to be in that camera bag, but instead we had a big wad of money in the camera bag. But we laid out all the money on the bed, and we counted it, and I'm like, oh my god, let's take a picture. And, you know, we set up the timer on the camera, held up all of our money, like the gangsters that we were, and the pictures almost didn't come out. It was like the last picture on the roll, and I think we went like 10 years just thinking that the pictures never came out. But luckily, I kept the negatives all those years, and I managed to uh, take it to Walmart 10 years later and say, hey, this, this last picture on here is a little bit cut off, but can you just do it anyway? And they're like, okay, we can do that. And they did. And that's probably the picture that you see for the show art in this episode. So I hope that was entertaining to hear. That was kind of entertaining for me. You know, there's a lot of details in there I kind of forgot about. I remember that first cab driver that we took from Wood River to Glen Carbon to the Cottonwood Mall. He was a super friendly guy. He was kind of like a hippie looking guy. He was like smoking cigarettes the whole time. And just talked nonstop, kept flicking his uh, cigarette out the window. And I remember him saying that the world was his ashtray. And that's why he flicks his ashes out the window. I don't know why I remember that. I had to look that guy up. Say, hey, remember me? You ratted us out, motherfucker. We're coming for you. I can't remember if his name was in here. Let me scroll through here again real quick. I'm not really going to call him threatening him. That, that was just a joke. Just kidding around. Man, there's like a cab driver's voluntary written statement. I feel we got totally gypped on this whole thing. Like, Mike, if you paid for this, they, they ripped you off. You should ask for your money back. There's supposed to be lists of everything we stole and written statements. I think I had to write down things. I can't remember exactly what they had me write. I probably just wrote down a whole statement of what we did. And if you're wondering how that all worked out for us, uh, I got like a, a week in jail and that's it. They let me out. They're just like, okay, don't run away. And that seemed really weird since our whole plan was to leave the state and change our names and everything. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. The police report did not mention all of the fake IDs in one of my gym bags because I had this really thick yellow envelope filled with IDs that I had gotten from places I worked at over the past whatever few years. And some of them were modified. I had some photocopied IDs that had my picture and other people's info on them. I remember the cops in the hotel room. They were looking through my IDs in the hotel room and they were laughing like in a friendly way. They were really nice throughout the entire thing. The cops were but they were laughing that uh, one of my IDs, which looked um, pretty good, I thought. But the only problem with it is that it said that I was a, uh, like, five foot, five inch black male. But, you know, nobody checks that stuff. They just look at the birth date. That's all I cared about. But that was some guy's actual ID in Missouri, and I just chopped off his photo and put mine in there. I can't remember what I did with all that stuff. Probably terrible things, though. Anyway, that's the end of this episode of Brad's Cactus Shack. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope it was the most action-packed Brad's Cactus Shack you've ever heard. Maybe even more action-packed than the time that Warren's girlfriend got chased by the police. And she's like, oh my god, Warren, what do I do? What the fuck do I do? Oh, thank god, I think he just flipped a bitch. 
Maybe I'll add that urgent background music to the this entire show, just so it sounds more exciting when we talk about the gym bags and the brown paper bag full of money. The only thing that was missing was guns. We needed guns. I wish we'd had guns that night. I mean, come on. We had the Marlboros. We had the food stamps. Where were the guns? What's wrong with me? And you know what really sucks? There's no mug shot. I, w- I want to see the mug shots for us. I want to see what shirt I was wearing that night. Oh, wait, no, that would be in the photograph of us with the money, probably. Okay, anyway, thanks for listening to Brad's Cactus Shack. Hope you enjoyed this, and I'll see you next time. This here's a story about Billy Joe and Bobby Sue. Two young lovers with nothing better to do. They sit around the house, get high and watch it too. And here's what happened when they decided to cut loose. Yes.